Welcome to this month's Pharmacy Team Training Update. My name is Judith Poulton and I am a community pharmacist with a special interest in healthcare education. This month's training is on safeguarding. Before we begin this podcast, please remember you and the team can watch the online training, download your certificate after completing your CPD questions and get access to useful resources by logging on to www.virtualoutcomes.co.uk. Safeguarding is a term used in the UK to denote measures to protect the health, well-being and human rights of individuals, which allow people, especially children, young people and vulnerable adults, to live free from abuse, harm and neglect. Abuse, harm or neglect in any form needs to be identified and then managed appropriately to ensure that the harm can be stopped or managed to reduce the likelihood of it occurring again. Everyone has a duty to respond if they believe that a child or vulnerable adult is at risk of harm, and people and organisations need to work together to prevent and stop the risks. Principle 1.8 of the GPHC inspection states that children and vulnerable adults are safeguarded, and in your role as a healthcare professional, you need to understand your responsibilities and what actions you need to take if you have concerns. In this training, we will briefly look at the underlying legislation, but will mainly focus on what signs and symptoms could indicate that a child or vulnerable person is suffering abuse and what support is available. It is important to recognise that no single practitioner may have the whole picture and that your observations together with other people's observation will enable a more complete picture to be formed. For example, in the Rochdale sexual exploitation case, 50 underage teenage girls were sexually abused by older men and at any point did any of them go to a pharmacy for emergency contraception. In another example, 19 residents died in Orchard View care home due to institutional abuse. And was there any indications that something was not right when pharmacies delivered medicines or spoke to the carers? You can make a difference by undertaking your role with the same level of curiosity that you would do in any other area of your work. To support the safeguarding principles, national policies, pieces of legislation and guidance have been put in place. These fall into three categories. Those that cover everyone those that cover children only, and those that cover adults only. We will now look at these in turn. Those that cover everyone include the Human Rights Act, the Safeguarding Vulnerable Groups Act, which makes it a requirement for people working with vulnerable people to be vetted, and that the organisation has a clear whistleblowing policy and have a chaperone policy. The NHS Safeguarding Policy, and finally, the Care Quality Commission Statement on Safeguarding, which clearly states people's responsibilities, the importance of safeguarding and the way it should be monitored. There are nine different pieces of legislation and policies that cover children, and these include the formation of a local authority's children's board under the Children's Act, various different reviews to ensure that organisations, for example the police, clinical commissioning groups and the local authority are working together to safeguard and promote the welfare of all children in their area 
And finally, there is NICE guidelines, which identifies which features may alert people to abuse. Finally, the legislation and policies that are relevant to adults only include the Mental Capacity Act, which protects individuals who may lack the mental capacity to make their own decision, the Care Act, which places adult safeguarding on a statutory footing for the first time, and also directs how local authorities should go about performing its care and support functions, including the setting up of local safeguarding adult boards, and finally, the Sexual Offences Act. Children and vulnerable adults may be susceptible to neglect and abuse or exploitation from within their families and or from individuals they come across in their everyday lives. There is often an imbalance of power in the relationship and the abusive person gains and maintains power and control over another person in order to subject them to abuse. For example, an older woman with a 16-year-old boy. This abuse can take a variety of forms and includes the following. Physical, sexual or emotional abuse, neglect, exploitation by criminal gangs and organised crime groups, trafficking and slavery, online abuse, sexual exploitation, influences of extremism leading to radicalisation, institutional or organisational abuse and financial abuse. Whilst everyone is at risk, certain groups of children and vulnerable adults are more likely to suffer abuse. If we take children first, this group includes children who have a disability or who were born with a low birth weight or prematurely, unaccompanied asylum seekers and refugees, children whose parents or carers are substance misusers or who have mental health problems, and finally, children who have been looked after. Vulnerable adult groups who are deemed more susceptible include adults with severe physical illness, those with physical, sensory or learning disabilities or mental health problems including dementia, older people who are particularly frail or isolated, homeless people, anyone living with a person who abuses drugs or alcohol, unpaid carers who may be overburdened, isolated and under severe stress, and women, as they may be isolated due to cultural factors. In the next part of this training, we will look at each type so that you and the team can have a better understanding of what signs and symptoms people may present with. We will start with physical abuse. Physical abuse can happen to men as well as women and children and includes hitting, shaking, throwing, poisoning, burning or scalding, drowning, suffocating or otherwise causing harm to a person, as well as inappropriate use of restraint or misuse of medicines. Physical signs that you might see in children could include injuries to soft areas of their bodies, including the cheeks, abdomen and buttocks, or bites, fractures or recurrent head injuries. Adults may have finger marks, bruising and unexplained falls. In both adults and children, burns that have defined edges or which are symmetrical should be regarded as suspicious as they could be the result of a cigarette or iron. Behavioural signs in both adults and children include being fearful or withdrawn, giving implausible explanations on how they got the injury, being slow to seek medical advice and abnormal interactions between the individual and their parent or carer. 
Fabricated or induced illness is when a parent or carer fabricates the symptoms of or deliberately induces illness in a child. This type of abuse is rare, with most severe cases occurring in children under the age of five, but it can happen to children at any age. The signs to be aware of include exaggerating or lying about their children's symptoms, persuading health professionals that their child is ill when they're perfectly healthy, deliberately inducing illness, for example by giving unnecessary medication or other substances, and inexplicably poor response to prescribed medication. Emotional or psychological abuse includes threats of harm or abandonment, deprivation of contact, humiliation, blaming, controlling, intimidation, harassment, verbal abuse and bullying, including cyberbullying. It also includes inappropriate expectations due to the age or development of an individual, as well as hearing or seeing the ill treatment of others, causing the individual to feel frightened or in danger. Examples include making fun of what they say or how they communicate and not allowing them to speak. Physical signs include disturbed sleep in both adults and children, weight gain or loss, and speech disorders in children. Behavioural signs that may be present include fear, extreme shyness, lack of confidence, and compulsive behaviour. Parents or carers may humiliate their child by name-calling or making negative comparisons, or they may withdraw their attention from the child. Sexual abuse is any unwanted sexual act or activity. Children aged 12 or under can't legally consent to sexual activity in any circumstances. There are many different types of sexual abuse, including rape, sexual assault of both adults and children, sexual harassment, rape within marriage or a relationship, honour-based violence, female genital mutilation, trafficking and sexual exploitation. Activities may involve physical contact, that is being touched in a way you don't like, either inside or outside clothing, being forced to perform a sexual act, or maybe online, for example, being made to look at pornographic pictures or videos. Sexual abuse is not just committed by adult males. Women and other children can also commit abusive acts. General physical signs that may be seen include sexually transmitted diseases, genital bleeding or itching and pregnancy. Behavioural signs may include self-harm, being withdrawn, poor school performance, inappropriate knowledge for their age about sex or sexual activities, and in the case of online abuse, the child or vulnerable adult may be excessively using the internet where they could be visiting inappropriate chat rooms and forums. Female genital mutilation, shortened to FGM, can also be known as circumcision, being cut or initiation and includes all procedures that intentionally alter or cause injury to the female genitalia for non-medical purposes. It comprises of partial or total removal of the female genitalia. It is prevalent in 30 countries, but is more prevalent in specific ethnic communities in Africa and some areas of the Middle East like Iraq and Yemen. It is most commonly carried out on girls aged between infancy and 15. Physical signs may include severe pain, wound infections, urinary retention or incontinence, bleeding, cysts or abscesses and pain when having intercourse. Behavioural symptoms may include depression, anxiety, nightmares and self-harming. 
All social care and healthcare workers, including pharmacy teams, have a legal obligation to report to the police if they are aware of any signs of FGM in a girl aged under 18 or if a child or young person tells them they have had FGM. If you want more information, there are some informative videos and leaflets available, as well as guidance from the GPHC. The links to these are on the resources page on the right-hand side of your screen. Next, we will look at honour-based violence, HBV. Women are predominantly, but not exclusively, are the victims of HBV, as it is usually used to exert male power in order to control women. HBV is a violent crime or incident, which is initiated to protect the honour of the family or community. It is often linked to family members or acquaintances who mistakenly believe that the person has brought shame on them because of doing something that is not in keeping with their tradition or culture. Examples include having a boyfriend or girlfriend from a different culture, rejecting an arranged marriage, seeking a divorce, and inappropriate dress or makeup. HBV is seen in many cultures and communities, but is most common in Turkish, Kurdish, Afghani, South Asian, African, Middle Eastern, South and Eastern European families. Finally, in this section, we will look at child sexual exploitation, which is a form of sexual abuse. In this case, children and young people, both girls and boys, may be tricked into believing that they are in a consensual loving relationship. They are given affection, gifts or money in exchange for performing violent, degrading and humiliating sexual activities on others or themselves. It does not always involve physical contact and can happen online. Child sexual exploitation is often a hidden crime as they trust their abuser and don't understand that they are being abused or they may depend on their abuser and are too scared to tell anybody. Signs include having an older boyfriend or girlfriend, not in school when they should be, having new things like expensive clothes or phones that they won't or can't explain, inappropriate sexual behaviour for their age and becoming more emotionally volatile. The persistent failure to meet an individual's basic physical, medical or psychological needs is known as neglect and this is also a type of abuse. Neglect may include... 1. Failing to provide adequate food, clothing or shelter, or may include excluding the individual from the home or abandoning them. 2. Failing to ensure that there is adequate supervision or using inadequate caregivers. 3. Failing to protect from physical or emotional harm or danger. 4. Failing to ensure access to appropriate medical care. And finally, 5. Failing to ensure that they have the correct adaptions, equipment or aids to communication and are not deprived of company and stimulation. Physical signs can include poor hygiene, including dirty clothes or wearing unsuitable clothes for the weather, constantly hungry, poor physical condition and recurrent infections. Behavioural signs to look out for in children, including younger children and babies may appear apathetic whilst older children may have behavioural issues. Parents and carers may seem disinterested in the child. Older people with dementia may display aggressive or anxious behaviours and may verbally or physically abuse their carers. 
Another type of neglect is called self-neglect. And this is an extreme lack of self-care, which puts the individual's physical, mental and emotional health at risk. Examples include neglecting their own personal hygiene or health, inability to avoid self-harm, inability or unwillingness to manage their own affairs, and failure to seek help or access health or social care services. Signs to look out for include poor personal hygiene, malnutrition, hoarding, living in squalid conditions, inability or unwillingness to take medication or treat illnesses or injuries. You and the team are in a good position to spot these signs in your regular patients and to take action. Self-neglect differs from other types of abuse as there is no outside person involved and therefore you may not consider it to be a safeguarding issue. Self-neglect may be a lifestyle choice or may be the result of a mental illness, poor physical health or an addiction. As a healthcare professional, you have a role to play in preventing vulnerable people from becoming radicalised. Individuals may begin to adopt extreme views on religion, politics or social matters. There may be changes in their behaviour, including increased levels of anger, isolating themselves from friends and family, and an unwillingness to discuss their views. Prevent is a key government objective to stop people from becoming extremists. One of its objectives is to safeguard and support those most at risk of radicalisation through early interventions. The NHS has been seen as a key partner and if you have any concerns, you must escalate them. For many victims of modern slavery and trafficking, access to healthcare is the only opportunity they may have to tell people about the situation they are in. Slavery is the recruitment, movement and harbouring of men, women and children for the purpose of exploiting them. Individuals can be trafficked either into, out of or within the UK. The individuals are used for forced labour, domestic servitude, criminal exploitation, sexual exploitation and child trafficking. There is a brilliant leaflet published by the government with all the signs of possible trafficking and healthcare issues that may be presented. The link to this is on the resources page on the right-hand side of this screen. Institutional or organisational abuse can occur in care or nursing homes or hospital settings. It can be brought about by poor or inadequate care or support or inadequate practice. Signs can include abusive and disrespectful attitudes, lack of visitors, people being hungry or thirsty, patients having pressure sores, lack of dignity, for example, unnecessary exposure when washing or using the toilet, misuse of medication, failure to provide dentures, glasses or hearing aids, rigid regimes and not taking account of people's cultural, religious or ethnic needs. The final type of abuse we will look at is financial abuse. Examples can include the theft of money or possessions, preventing a person from accessing their own money or benefits, arranging less care than required to save money to maximise inheritance and exerting undue pressure or threatening a person in connection with wills or financial transactions. Signs can include a sudden change in financial circumstances or living standards that is not easily explainable or showing fear of making decisions or worrying about money. 
In the last part of this training, we will look at what you and your team's responsibilities are and what information you should have available in the pharmacy. The first and most important thing to remember is that you must always report a safeguarding concern to your pharmacy's designated person, even if it is just a gut feeling, and never assume that it was nothing or it is not your responsibility. Please also remember that this applies to all members of your team, including any delivery drivers, as they will see people in their own homes or deliver to institutions. So what is the process that needs to be followed in your pharmacy if you have a concern? Do you know if you have a designated safeguarding lead? And if so, who is it? Do you have a list and the contact details in the pharmacy of your local safeguarding partners who could be contacted for advice and to report concerns to? If your answer is no to these questions, please ensure you find the answers when you have completed this training. Once you've reported it to your safeguarding lead, they have a responsibility to report it to the appropriate authorities, whether that is the police or local safeguarding partners. Failure to do this could mean that a child or vulnerable adult continue to suffer abuse, which in the worst case could result in their death. Think of the case of baby P, who suffered a broken back, gashes to the head, a fractured shin bone, a ripped ear, blackened fingers and toes with a missing fingernail, skin torn from the nose and mouth, cuts on the neck and a tooth knocked out. If everybody who suspected something had reported their concerns, he might be alive today. Finally, don't forget to make a record of your concerns whilst they are fresh in your mind as you may be required to share them at a later stage. We have now come to the end of this training, and I hope that you have a better understanding of the different types of abuse, the signs to be aware of, and what actions you and your colleagues need to take if you have any concerns. As we have already said, there is never an option to do nothing. If you see something, say something. It is important to remember that no single person may have the whole picture and that your observations, together with other people's observations, will enable a more complete picture to be formed and may prevent a child or vulnerable adult from being abused. If you want to view the online training, have access to both your certificate and the resources tab, please log on to www.virtualoutcomes.co.uk. We would also like to use this opportunity to ask you to encourage the rest of your colleagues to view the video.